I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you're enjoying the fact that we're now releasing two episodes a week. I know for me, certainly as a podcast listener, you sort of become very friends with the people that you listen to on a regular basis, no matter where you happen to listen. So yeah, thank you so much and really hope you're enjoying it. Today we're talking about governance and it's not something that we've actually covered before. And I'm delighted to be chatting to Neil Collins. And Neil has over 30 years experience in the software and edtech sector and after studying engineering at Cambridge he went on to a 20-year career in telecom software in the UK and US before co-founding Governor Hub in 2012. When Governor Hub was acquired by the Key in 2020 Neil took over the governance business unit in the wider business which also included Key for School Governors. Between them Governor Hub and the Key for School Governors are used in nearly half the schools in England. Neil is also a long-standing governor and trustee and is currently the chair of trustees at Enrich Learning Trust, which is a medium-sized multi-academy trust in Norfolk. If you want an essence of what good governorship really is, this quote from Neil, I think, kind of summarises it perfectly. Good governance is at the heart of any good school and any good community needs a good school. That is why governance is so important to get right if we want to make our children's lives better. What could be more perfect than that? So here is my conversation with Neil Collins talking about governance. Hi Neil, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Governance is something which we haven't covered before, I don't think, in the the 250 something episodes it will be by the time this goes live. So thanks for being here and I'm really excited to to chat about, like I said, a topic we've not really covered before. Oh, great to be here, Mark. Yeah, and um, great to also bring a bit of governance to your your podcast. I think that's a really important part of education. Absolutely. So why don't we have a little bit of background in terms of, of how you got involved in governance in terms of um, actually having the Governor Hub up together, but also in terms of, I know your, your original professional background wasn't wasn't in that. So yeah, take us through that journey a little bit. So yeah, I guess I get, got into governance like most governors, well, a lot of governors as a parent. So I became a parent governor at my son's uh, high school was then. Um, and my professional background was actually in, uh, in software engineering and uh, coming into education as a someone who spent a lot of time in the software uh, industry it was absolutely fascinating you know it's quite a different world very different perspective of things but it really lit a, a passion in me for for education so uh, really enjoyed being governor and that eventually translated into uh, my work life as well when I set up um, a company called Governor Hub with a couple of other colleagues. That was back in 2012 and uh, we expanded that and sold that to lots of schools around the country Um, and then 
uh, in 2020, but became part of the Key Support Services, uh, which is a company that's behind Key School Leaders, Key School Governors, and I now run the, the group um, that has the governance products within that. Outside of that, um, I carried on as a governor and became chair of governors at high school, chair of governors at another high school, academized a school, grew that academy into uh, a multi-academy trust and I now chair a trust board um, for that academy trust which is based here in Norfolk and we've got six schools and 4,000 pupils. So yes, governance has been something which has dominated <laughs> both my <laughs> work life and my life outside work actually yeah i mean i guess the first thing that strikes me is that wide range of experience like you say from one school all the way through to as you said a, a multi-academy trust how's that change and and that journey been for you in terms of i guess practically on the sort of the meeting to meeting level and then also that sort of the the, the vision and, and what you can put in place from it it's been an amazing journey, I've got to say, Mark. It's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. You know, the at the heart of it, like many of us in education, it's about making the world better by making kids' lives better. You know, that is the fundamental thing we're all trying to do. Um, and, you know, I think that's that's always been at the heart of, of what I've tried to do with, with governance. But then as somebody not directly involved in the day-to-day -day of education, being a governor is actually a great way to do it because you're bringing in a, a, another view and expertise perhaps um, and affecting either your local school or in, in my case then a sort of a wider um, group of schools through a multi-academy trust. The experience I think with going from a particularly from a school into a multi-academy trust and growing that has, has been really interesting you know just seeing how you can take good practice from one school and then apply it to another and I think we, we um, we've had some really good experiences there of particularly working with head teachers, developing their schools, developing their practice within their schools, um, and then seeing that flow through to raising standards for uh, the kids coming out of the school and the kids progressing through the school. Uh, and then you sort of see it all the way through, particularly as a governor, through to parents' attitudes to the school as well. And I think, well... Yeah, I've, I've only played a small part in that, but actually I've seen that whole journey through and seen that improvement. And, you know, that is that's incredibly rewarding, actually. And and take us into the, like say, the Governor Hub journey as well from that kind of, I say, you and a couple of friends deciding that this is something you wanted to step into. And, and, and that, I guess, because you're wearing both hats in terms of the understanding of what being a governor is and what you're trying to get across and also just the practicalities of running it as a business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so Governor Hub really came out of a, a conversation um, between myself and another governor, a guy called Alex Robinson. Uh, probably the uh, probably the smartest and nicest guy I've ever worked with, actually. And he, we we were talking about our life in work and how you know we were surrounded by really quite good tools. We both worked in um, tech in one way or another. Uh, he, he he at the time was he, uh, he was working for local business here in Norfolk Norwich Union. Became Aviva, you know, quite a large business. I was working for a software business. Um, which was based in London and, and the US. And we all had really quite good tools to do our day jobs. But actually, managing our teams within our business context was somewhat easier 
than chairing the boards that we had in the schools because you know in work you meet every or your team most days you know you have good tools to communicate with them within schools and particularly as a governor you see people fairly infrequently there wasn't this sort of common set of tools you couldn't easily access that training and advice which you uh, you sort of really needed as a governor so um yeah we had a look around see what there was around there thought, well there, there really isn't anything great here is this actually worth putting a business together and that was that was the half of it um like i say, we were based in norfolk and we developed the early versions working very closely with uh, the governor services team here in norfolk um launched the product and sort of slowly grew around the country so yeah we went from the early days of uh, tens of schools we ended up hundreds of schools um and you know, by the time we joined the key we were up to about eight thousand schools using the product around the country and actually since joined the key we've we've grown even further with probably about 12,000 schools so near enough almost half the schools in the country now use the product um and you know we, we've sort of gone from being a nice idea to being a product to almost being part of the education fabric in the country and that's that's just amazing here and uh, along that way but yeah between there and now obviously there's a, a lot of a lot of work done working with a lot of great people around the country um, working schools, multi-academy trusts, particularly uh, governor services teams around the country. It's been, yeah, it's been fantastic. And and like you said, I guess most governors are are not necessarily directly involved in education. They may be parents. They they may have come from different parts of the community. Um, so I guess having a kind of a uniform, like say, set of tools, set of ideas, set of training, is a, is a way of kind of of having some sort of established. Um, framework of, of how you can progress and how you can do all the things that you need to do to be as effective as possible I guess that's really then makes everyone step their game up because everyone's on the same page and they know exactly what it is that they're trying to achieve and, and how they can actually go about doing that yeah I think that's right and particularly with governor that was trying to get rid of some of the dull faffy stuff which was essentially just a waste of time and got in the way doing the thing which is important which was okay what what is the strategic direction for our school how are we holding you know senior leaders to account and that sort of thing um and you know too often the work of governance actually just got oh, it messed up with okay have we got the right paperwork oh, i've got to get this paper bit of paper to this person by this time well you know there's a lot of better ways to do that these days um and i think you know um the thing that brings the biggest smile to my face is when I'm talking to a governor or a clerk, and they say, "Oh yeah, I love governor. I don't know how I could do it. I could, don't know how I could do it without it." And you know, that's that's fantastic. You know, that that's really what we were trying to set out back in those early days of saving people time and effort and just making it a bit more interesting, exciting. Definitely so. I love that. And I also love the fact that it, you know, it's come from your experience and it's come from your professional background in an, an obvious need that needed filling, like I say, because you, you couldn't find the answer there yourself. And mm. were, you were in a position to be able to do that. And I think as a as a concept of what we would hope a governing body is and the people involved in the larger community of a school is to have some of these skills and understandings and, and ways of being able to implement things which help education and the people that work in it. So I guess that those sorts of parallels are quite an interesting topic. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at any governing board around the country, then 
uh, one of the key things they're all trying to achieve is having that um, that breadth of views. You know, parents bring one view, staff bring another view, other members of the you know the local community bring another view, and you know any any community, any good community has got a good school at the heart of it, and it represents that community. And I think a lot of the voices around that table come from governors because that's to be representative and so on. I think um, you know, it's really important. I mean, particularly over the last two years, you know, the, the some of the stresses and strains that um, senior leaders in schools have um, been through. Just think for, for, for them, just reflecting up, okay, well, who do we now turn to? You know, the, and these days, a lot of the times that is is actually governments, you know, particularly when things go um, through difficult times like, like, like we've all been through. And for anybody listening who hasn't been involved in a governing body or doesn't understand the, the reality of, of, of the sort of the working relationship, talk us through that in terms of, is it the governing body that sets the agenda for the school and the head teacher then implements it? Is it the head teacher and the SLTs that kind of do that and the governing body support it? So what's the reality of how it works or I guess a combination of both? Yeah, so um, the governing board um, sets the ethos, vision for the school and sets the strategic direction. You then have the operational implementation of that vision or that strategy and that's with the senior leadership team now of course any governing board is working very closely with the senior leadership team when you're setting that ethos and vision and so on but then um, it's it's that governance is the strategy senior leaders that's the operational side and keeping that those two um, separate is is one of the key challenges day to day within governance then you face quite a range of challenges you know so some of the things i've been involved in over my time are uh, things like um working out a strategic site plan for a school not everyone's cup of tea but actually i found it fascinating because what you're thinking about there is not all right what's the school today right what's the school going to be in 10 years time and to answer that you've got to say well what is the town or village that we're where the school is what's that going to be like in 10 years time and particularly for us, we knew that um, the particular town was going to be growing quite extensively. So how much, how do we then develop a, a school site over that period? And it was it was a fascinating journey, but one of the good examples where you need to think strategically and in the long term. And that's what, that's a key and really important part of governance rather than thinking, OK, well, you know, what's the what's the problem today? Well, what's the issue? that's in my in my school today because such and such teachers off or you know we've got this problem with this particular people and it's thinking that long term and that's that's quite an important um quite an important difference i think between what head teachers would do senior leaders would do or or governors would do in any school um other things though are you know things like um you know what, what uniform should we have should we even have a uniform you know what's the uh, things like what's the school day that sort of thing that comes to government so some of the stuff actually um which is in the white paper you know thinking uh, that's come out recently from the dfe about what what's coming in the future so much of that actually sits with governors in terms of what they want to implement in their school academy or uh, multi-academy trust 
see a lot of this does come down to governors. And in terms of number of governors, God, this is a bit of a quiz for you, Mark. Do you know how many governors there are in the country? Have a guess. In England. Oh, um, this is so unfair. I'll really put you on the spot here. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just sort of thinking from my experience. It's probably, I'd say, is it around ten per school times the number of schools that you have, something like that? Yeah, good, good, good knowledge, good knowledge. Yes, it's about. Um, so you've got about two hundred thirty, two hundred forty thousand governors around the country. So you've actually got quite a big. Um, a good big group there um they tend to be on a four-year term if they're elected so parent governors are elected staff governors are um, elected by the staff body you have also government co-opted governors sometimes if it's a church school there'll be a low think to the local diocese or local church and obviously some people sit as governors just because of their roles so head teachers for example are also governors um, because they're identified as a head teacher but that's a very large, very large group, and it's actually reasonably. It changes reasonably often. So parent governors would normally be on a four-year term of office, sometimes reappointed, but not always. So you've always got this um, cycle of people who need to learn about the role as well. So you've got governors coming through, need to learn it, and also bringing in different views and opinions. Um, so. As well as that group of governors, there's quite a large body and teams within multi-academy trusts and within governor services teams, often linked to local authorities, who are supporting those governors through that journey as uh, um, uh, you know, as, as new governors come on, inducting them, teaching them how to do the role, supporting them, particularly if they, they, they face particular challenges. So as well as that large group actually the largest group of volunteers in the country is that government there's also quite a, a large group then supporting them through the through the journey as as they sort of learn how to do the governance what's their what their role is and so on so, yeah. so we were chatting just before we came on air in terms of my experience as a governor which i don't have because it was something i didn't want to quite get involved in and my wife was a governor so i have sort of got that sort of idea of what's involved so my question is in terms of what you're trying to do as a governing body for your school how visionary can it be in terms of a child-centered child-focused idea of what you'd like the children to have as part of their school experience as opposed to what you feel like is imposed on you from a, a government point of view i think there there's always going to be bounds on what you can do as a school and you've got to be conscious of these as a governing uh, as a governing board the first plan of course is is money um inevitably that's the thing that constrains so much of the ambition any school would have and you know, I've been a governor for the oh, best part of 20 years and finance is always top of the agenda, I think, in terms of you know, what, what we can do. Um, beyond that, then, um, there are a lot of um, things you can flex as a governor within a, within a board. Um, one of the key things you have responsibility for is appointing the head teacher or the chief exec if you're a multi-academy multi trust and that's a really important decision you know, getting the person who is going to fit 
for your school and is going to implement the vision that they that you want as a governing board for your school um but there then are a number of things you do sort of on a almost day-to-day basis which are much more around shaping the experience of each child in each school so things like you know what's the what's our approach to teaching and learning you know how do we know good teaching and learning is happening in our school and those sort of things um they're quite difficult you know if you're coming in as a uh, as someone not necessarily um experienced in education um you, you can learn about education but you're never going to be an the sort of expert that a head teacher is or a uh, someone uh, as a teacher is but what what sort of information do you need? What do you need to make sure is in place to make sure those things are happening within your school without you necessarily you know, being a, the person who's making those things happen directly? So thing, you often have um, a lot of things that come from the school, specific reports, for example, um, to the governing board, which are sort of monitoring reports like we're doing, uh, we've had these sorts of incidents or you know, here's our, attendance here's our attainment in particular subjects here's our um, progress in particular subjects um on um uh, the our the head teacher will often put together a strategy for addressing particular issues in the in the school and it's up to the governor the governing board and the and the head teacher to work out how you're actually going to monitor that you know what does success look like that's probably the the most often asked question that a governing board needs to um and you know those those things working in combination a good governing body that's doing its monitoring understands the strategy understands the plan for for getting there and the head teacher and senior leadership team that are implementing it and tracking it and that i think is the essence of so much um school improvement yeah i really like that i think i think my um reluctance to get involved was very much often the rhetoric of this is the type of school we are and what we want to do and from a parental point of view because th- th- this was sort of my experience um as a parent as my children were going through was the reality of what they experienced wasn't always the same um and so the the kind of what i thought would be possible um if I got involved as a governor or being able to um, have some kind of vision with that, I wasn't quite sure how that would work because a lot of the time it came, it came to the sort of fundamental idea of of what the child was experienced. Like I said, on on a sort of a day to day basis, things which I very often disagreed with, with things like um, certificates for attendance and rewards for attendance Um, that just used to blow my mind that a child that may have been off sick um, would be, effectively feel like they're being punished um because they haven't got a hundred percent attendance i mean that surely if a child is sick they should recuperate and that should be part of their sort of human nature in terms of what they what they wanted to do um the idea of a broad and balanced curriculum when the arts were being pushed to one side um the fact that sats were in one frame of conversation not important but at the other side lots of the other parts of the curriculum were being curtailed because there were extra things put on for maths and english especially as they got into year six and heading towards the, the summer so I, I was always a little bit skeptical between 
what the school would say was what they wanted to people to hear about but the actual practicality because like I say you often need data and data comes with um details and sats and all of those sorts of things and like I say it's very hard to say what a successful or um a happy child is um in a lot of those areas and a lot of those things which are very hard to measure um and and yeah so it, it, I, that very much muddied the waters for me in terms of uh, how I'd sort of get involved in that, but also be able to sort of have any sort of real positive influence. Oh, Mark, you should so become a governor. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness, you should. Because every one of those things you touched on, like every example, that would be an important discussion to be had with the governors. You know, how, like, what's our attendance policy? How do we reward or, or track it? That's such a governance thing. You know, the um, what, how we approach SATs, for example, so much in terms of, um, uh, how that works with governors. Now, having said that, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes a challenge as a governor to have your voice heard, particularly, you know, if the head teacher's got a, a contrary view. But the debates around the governing board table there are that's what sets, fundamentally sets those directions for a school. So, right, Mark, if we leave this podcast recording and you don't immediately go and find a, a role as a governor in one of your local schools, I'll be <laughs> tremendously disappointed. Yeah, but yeah, well, no, that's, that's so much of what governance is about. Well, thank you. And, and that, that's that's kind of what I thought. And and the, the way, the direction I went at the time, my children aren't in primary education anymore. They're, they're in secondary and beyond. But um, was that I'd have these conversations with the head. And I also had it with the chair of governors. Um, and there was a very big merry-go-round that used to go around with those things and um and you sort of started to feel like you were hitting your head against a brick wall and I think my I can't speak for my wife as she was a governor but I think there were so many meetings where it was all so data-driven and and these conversations literally never never got anywhere and that like say that may well be that there weren't enough of the same sorts of voices within the governing body to be able to make that strategic decision or whatever but like say over the course of four years maybe if you want as a parent governor if if you do sort of get caught in one of those corners it seems like a, sort of a, a large tanker to to shift yeah no and you know you wouldn't be the only person to, to to feel that way i think most governors during their experience have faced exactly that you know they can sort of they feel in their heart that there's a, something that needs to change here because something's not going wrong particularly you know if they've they've seen a a particular individual's experience of that school um the art of governance i think then is is working out how you can how you can change that well first you know is, is this something that needs to change it if there's something is there you know, what is actually going well across the school is there something which is you know in, um, endemic here is there something that needs to change you know um those sorts of things and um i think if you're someone like like clearly you are who has a a passion about the experience kids get at school. You know, I think other than becoming a teacher or a head teacher, becoming a governor will be one of the other ways to do that. I think you can generally have that input. And um, you know, looking at back at my time as a as a governor and as a as a trustee, I think you know I've won some battles, I've lost some battles, but you know, fundamentally I've made some of those changes. And I think I really like to think that you know, that's had a very positive effect on some of the outcomes and some of the experiences uh, young people have had in our schools. Yeah, and I think hopefully there are people listening who, like to say, 
because it can be such a wide part of the community within the school, outside of the school and, and beyond that can be involved, that if they haven't had these sorts of conversations before or even know that it's something that's available to them, I guess, that's um, that's uh, hopefully, like I say, we'll get more people involved should they should they wish to sort of take take the plunge, as it were. Yeah. Um, I, I guess we should talk a little bit about... Um, the difference in schools between primary or secondary is there is there an obvious um change in the way that things are done or or, or from the sort of the, the experience that you've had from that point of view yeah um i've experienced both i mean i've been mostly involved with um secondary schools as a as a governor but within our trust we've got, we've got secondary schools and primary schools um there's a lot of similarities particularly from a governance perspective um, some of the differences are, you know, the, the numbers get bigger, but, you know, a lot of the decisions are taken are, are similar. Um, and I think also then you can sort of, you can often join the dots and you can sort of see, well, and this I think is one of the most rewarding things, and particularly when you're involved with a, with a trust, is when you sort of see those journeys all the way from reception through to, you know, getting at the end of A-levels and going off to university. And you say, well, you know, that's, there's a, a a great journey there, and it is just one journey. The fact that you're going to different classrooms and different sites and different schools along the way, you know, is one journey. So, um, one of the things um, I think we've done quite a lot of work on is that that transition period. You know, going from uh, around around here in Norfolk, it's, it's from year six to year seven as you normally switch schools, um, and that is such a such a difficult time for kids, you know, in terms of here, you go from a small village school with 50, 60 pupils to this massive place, which just seems like, you know, a, a whole new world where you've gone from being this the biggest kid in the in the school to one of the smallest. And, you know, it, it it's so important, I think, within that, those sort of transitions to um, put a lot of effort, make sure that that's not a a daunting prospect you know, make sure it's an exciting prospect um that's that's really important but in terms of the sort of day-to-day -day things you do with with governance then the responsibilities are absolutely common you know you're managing the budget holding head teachers to um account you you're normally getting the the same level of reports you're involved in the same sorts of um decisions appeals panels that sort of thing um yeah so so actually i'd say there's far more similarities between primary and secondary than there is differences yeah that, that makes sense and like i say the the, the numbers and the size <laughs> the two are the, are the obvious change like in in yeah. terms of the school and the, and the physicality of the children as well and just on that sort of transition point i think you're absolutely right i think one of the key things which children find well, everybody, I think, um, struggles with is the unknown. And I think that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing between the, the two schools is the unknown of what's going to happen. And it's the silly questions. It's the supposedly obvious things, which you don't know as a child, I think, that, that calls those things. And I think that the more the more linkage there is between the primary and the secondary schools, the more time you spend in those things, the more times they can spend with their peers or, or just slightly older children. To, to, the sorts of questions they might want to ask that they're not going to ask a teacher or they might not be able to to ask a teacher about. I think I think that could, that can that can really help. And I think the more you can get away from the the unknown part of it, I think it's really mm. key. And I, I know I think my daughter had a fantastic kind of transition. You know, two or three days at the secondary school, a, a sort of an, an easing into 
to those sorts of things. I think the only thing I that struck me at the time was that their first day being told about GCSEs. I thought they had quite enough on their plate before. <laughs> I was worry too much about that. But um, but yeah, I I I think that kind of just like I say you sort of breathing into the into the idea of what secondary school is and uh, knowing how that's going to work around it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So let's dive a little bit into into your education experience as well you obviously talked about your sort of adult life in that but in terms of is there a school experience or a teacher that you remember and and was it positive negative or, or what, what was so important about it yeah I think you know when, when I was uh, experiencing it it felt it well this is just what happened you know it's just what you do during the day but actually looking back you know it's very I, I had a great time at school I must admit I say Started off in a very small Billy school in up in North Norfolk. Went to the local um, comprehensive school back in the day. Actually, it only just turned comprehensive, so a few years earlier it had been a secondary model. Um, and then you know, to April six form went off to university and had a great great time along the way. I must admit. But looking back, actually, I think some of the the things I learned weren't in the classroom you know it's how to how to work with different people how to work in yeah with individuals how to you know how to get by how to socialize and i think a lot of those things are some of the things we we don't necessarily emphasize so much in in policies and in um in guidance but it's some of the things actually i think they come out of uh, those life lessons it's very it's it's what you actually take you through for the rest of your life i think and a lot of those you get from from schools and university yeah exactly and i think it's, it's having that freedom isn't it like you say they're not sort of feeling like you're just necessarily hemmed into the classroom but that ability to, to socialize to for play to be able to sort of work on project-based sorts mm. of things which kind of do that all those things bring those things together um and and they're always the sorts of things i would i would think you know from a leading a school and being involved that kind of understanding that and then being able to step back and let the let the kids make their own journey through that like you say with that kind yeah. of uh, sort of overarching idea that we kind of we, we sort of set some of the parameters which we know were important but the rest of it we can sort of allow to to work on that personal level which i think i think is so key yeah i remember one of the my, one of my teachers who so exemplified that as his name was mr coggins given i'm an old gimmer now i, I really hope he's still with us. he's a fantastic teacher he was at secondary school and he was my uh, maths teacher and he somehow he just inspired everyone to love mathematics and certainly did with me you know and uh, uh, he, he then got you know the class that we were in uh, along the way and he, he seemed to almost effortlessly guide us through all sorts of aspects of maths and taught us that but you know i looked forward to every one of his lessons it was fantastic yeah so yeah i think looking back as well there's some individuals there which I, i'm sure most people look at and think oh yeah that was a really good teacher and yeah he was definitely one for me. Yeah, fantastic. It's usually the one, isn't it? The one that sort of you have a relationship with or just managed to, yeah. to infuse their subject or, or their year group or however they're teaching that just you can almost not put your finger on, but you know there's something quite special going on. Like I say, it's maybe sometimes looking back more than when you're in the moment, you're just lucky to be able to sort of experience it. But uh, I think, yeah, they're, 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 they are gold. And I, and I think the if you can work out who they are in your school either as a pupil but certainly also as a colleague as well you can learn so much just by watching the way they interact and what they do and, and how they come across yes 
Now, is there a piece of advice you've ever been given um, which is important to you? And I guess this could be related to governance or, or, or generally as well. Or, or is there a piece of advice you'd certainly give your younger self now, looking back with that sort of slightly more mature hat, shall we say? Well, the advice I think I'd give my younger self, well, obviously, what I, the advice I'd give my younger self, obviously, would be buy shares in Google. That would be the obvious <laughs> one. But let's put that to one side. Um, I think the... The best bit of advice I've been given, actually, is a, a chap I used to work with, a guy called uh, Graham MacArthur, and he was uh, my boss for oh, five, six, seven years or so. He was quite a brusque sort of Scotsman. Uh, but uh, hands down, the best salesman I've ever seen at work. And he was, he could go into any meeting and you know, get people to buy into what he was saying. He was fantastic, really good at it. He would have made a great head teacher, I think. Uh, but I think the best bit of advice he, he gave to me is is um, is believing yourself, and it's it's that situation where every single one of us suffers from that imposter syndrome, the self doubt. The, uh, you know, we can all list a million reasons why we shouldn't do something, but there's that that one reason you should do it, which is you can do this. You know, you can get through it, and even if you you've got those doubts, and you know, I can sort of. I started to then notice how he applied that, uh, how he did things, where he was going into a meeting and before it was nervous. But in the meeting, he was you know, passionate, eloquent and fantastic. And it came down to this, you know, that ability to sort of make the switch. Think, oh, no. Just be that, sh- that voice in your own ear that you can do this. Yeah, so that was the, that's probably the advice. And that's pretty, yeah, so if I had to go back and... and uh, Give some advice to my younger self, and I couldn't do that time travel thing of telling myself to invest in Google or Facebook. It would probably be that you know, believe in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. the The fear is usually much worse than the reality, isn't it? That's the, it that's the thing. Yeah. Um, and is there a resource you'd like to share? And this could be something which is personal or practical, whatever you like. But it can be anything from a podcast, a book, film, song, and anything you like. But you, uh, yeah, it just has that sort of special place for whatever reason. Um, right, this is going to be very nerdy, and I've got a horrible feeling this is going to be before your time. But do you know what I mean if I t- say a BBC Micro? Do you know this? Yep. You do. Okay. Right. So you're you're older than you look, Mark. So <laughs> congratulations. Um, so I think, and there's, I mean, I'm sure your listeners can think of similar things to them. But for me, it was very much of the time. So there was this. Um, microcomputer which was brought out by a company called acorn it was sponsored by the bbc back at the time there was lots of training around that through bbc programs so it was really when computers were just getting to the point that they could come into the home and it inspired me and almost a generation actually of software engineers to to learn about software and programming and um it wasn't um an academic thing it wasn't something which necessarily had to be taught in the classroom it was something which was well i'm solving problems here well this is real fun it's it's like you know i can i can get this thing to do stuff that i tell it to do and uh, yeah for me my what my nine or ten year old self back then it was it was revolutionary it really opened my eyes up to the what turned into a career and a business and uh, a lot more beside. But I think these days, um, similar 
approaches have been taken with things like the raspberry pies if you come across those and similar tech and lots these days of getting computing into schools and you know lighting that spark i think in in the next generations as well and i think um uh, as a nation we're putting a lot more into that now and i think that's that's really important and i think that uh that resource that thing which really inspired me was having that bit of technology i could really you know use and, uh, and learn about and that's fantastic so yeah a bit yeah. nerdy sorry for that but it really <laughs> i remember it very fondly in fact i think i've even still got my micro up in my loft i bet it doesn't uh, start up anymore <laughs> uh well I, I think you hit the nail on the head there it's that kind of the moment it's not about having to learn and, and you mentioned before about you know you go to school because you have to as soon as you suddenly then have this sense of i could spend every day doing this because this is yeah. interesting and you know you and i think when you sort of join the dots between you're also learning all the things that you've learned in school and and beyond that you're sort of pulling together but it's just about you and this idea you and this product you and this kind of where can this take me um and and especially like then let's like say if you can do it as a project or you can do it with some friends or whatever it just takes on a whole life and i think that relationship between real learning and that idea and and the overall idea of of the sorts of education that we perceive that we have to to give in order to get to that stage is, is an interesting debate but yeah absolutely right as soon as you you have that spark of inspiration then th there's nothing like hard work at that point it just becomes fun yeah exactly so yeah i think you know once inspire that passion light that fire i think that's one of the terms you use and you know everything else yeah. is then it's then easy you know but yeah that's yeah for me that was that was the thing that really lit my fire yeah absolutely and 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 talking of fire it's one of the things like say we do talk about here and, and and the four parts of that for us are feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment and is there anything related to that that sort of strikes you as something which was impactful for you or something you believe is particularly important or or something you just go yeah if i had to put my finger on one thing related to that that's kind of where i where i put it well, you know, as a, um, yeah, thinking about that, particularly in the context of Smith setting up a small startup, um, you know, the the empowerment there is immense. You can do anything you like. The tricky bit is the resilience, and you know, just facing the problems and seeing them as things you can solve rather than just fundamental blocks. And you know, I think that to me is. Um, Certainly, in sort of the, the business context of starting up a business, that's so important. But you know, I think if we could, if we could teach the younger generation that that resilience, that you know, problems come. There will always be more problems out there. You can, you can never make life perfect. And you know, as a when we were starting up Governor Hub and growing it in the early years, and it was difficult, and money was short, and customers were really hard to come by. Yeah, there was a lot then, but you know, particularly um, my, my colleague then, Alex Robinson, who's um, he, he was so good at not not just thinking of the problems, but thinking, okay, well, how do we get behind this? You know, we can solve this. How do we do that? And yeah, that was fantastic, and that was uh, one of the key reasons why we 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 continued to grow and step forward. But you know, it wasn't it wasn't plain sailing. And I think I think the really valuable thing is, like, say the 
the seeing both sides of the coin, isn't it? You know, the empowerment, the ability to write, here we are, we're going to change the world today. <laughs> and like say tomorrow, yeah. we've got this whole list of questions or, or problems that we're trying to to sort to. And I think being able to hold them both is, is in a fairly kind of matter of fact way of like say, they're both parts of the same thing. And you just have to focus on the important parts that one give you empowerment when you need to do it. And like say, it gives you that resilience to be able to, to move forward as well is uh is incredibly important and like say if we can bring that into schools in any way then not only are we going to be supporting the workforce for the next generation and all of that sort of stuff but really helping every child to to live a much more fruitful life i would believe yeah yeah totally, totally. fantastic well neil thank you so much for sharing all of this it's an absolutely fascinating conversation and um, it's really got me thinking again in terms of governance and, and all of that kind of thing but for anyone that hasn't come across governor hub before and and the key just tell us exactly where they can find out more information or get in touch well um google is your friend you know go go search for governor hub you'll find us on the web there or just get to governorhub.com um likewise there's the the key which you can find it the, the key support.com um so governor hub you know that's a, a great facility if you're not using it already within your governing board go and have a look and i think the the key support is an amazing resource used by for the leadership product by you know 70 percent of schools in the country already so you know, probably everyone's familiar with it um, but it's um, a super resource for that advice the guidance you know what what do you actually need to do in your school terrific and uh, then there's the Keep School Governors, which provides all that advice, but very specifically for governors, you know, not just how do you write a policy, how do you review a policy? What does good look like? Well, how do you monitor this? Those sort of things. Not always the obvious as a governor, but there's some good good guidance there in the Keep School Governors. Fantastic. Well, Neil, thank you so much. Uh, the reason I love the podcast so much is we get to have these conversations and hear the insights and the understanding of the people that put things together. And like you say, so many people will be experienced from Governor Hub and actually to be able to hear these things and, and sort of put a voice to the to the the text on the website and all, all the details that come through, I think is fascinating. So yeah, thank you so much indeed. Oh, it's been a delight. Lovely talking to you, Mark. Thanks very much for inviting me. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.